0: no yes it works every time yeah. hey guys welcome back to another episode of the super duper flex bros today is saturday april 9th uh with me is our my Co host Tom and Tom, I think this might be our last show before the NFL draft, so I'm pretty excited to uh, obviously see where a lot of these rookies end up. Uh, I, th- I think we're going to see a lot of these rankings adjust, uh, rightfully so, because even though we all say landing spots shouldn't determine where you take dynasty players, we, we all get excited when we see those players go to our favorite team, so um. Uh, it- you and I have been talking about a handful of things the last couple of weeks, trying to get our schedule together. So I'm glad we finally connected. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. Like you said, this is one of our uh, last episodes before the draft. It's really one of our our first and last episodes be, before the draft. We've kind of been taking a a break from Dynasty during this uh, this postseason. But I, I agree with what you're saying about this draft class. It, it's a very boring and, and weak take. But as far as um, players moving up and down the board. I think it's definitely gonna be uh draft capital and 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 where they go. I think last year um I, we saw teams like the Jets and the Bengals and trying to remember who else had an early pick and, and the Falcons possibly taking uh Jamar Chase and and nobody really cared where Jamar Chase went. They, they we, we all kind of agreed in the dynasty community that Chase was the wide receiver one. Fitz was the the RB one, or yeah. Pitts was the, the tight end one, and Najee Harris w- was the RB one. It didn't really matter where they go. Um, as far as this draft class goes, I think Malik Willis and Brees Hall are, are the consensus 101 and, and 102, with with uh, Hall being favored at, at the 101. And, and every, everybody else after that, um, it, it's really just uh, about the uh, the team fit and where, where they go on the draft right now. Yeah, and I think this time last season we saw a lot of people making their moves to – trade up or to trade down based on where they thought these players were going to be drafted in these rookie drafts. So if you wanted one of those running backs, you had to trade up for a top four or five pick. Um, and then if you're good on those wide receivers, if you're good with taking Waddle or Elijah Moore at the end of the first, then you then you trade back a little bit. Uh, but this year, we have no idea. We were just talking about how we saw now Christian Watson is basically being taken at the end of the first in super flex Leagues. Which is insane, uh, but you've got a, a wide variety. So people were pounding the table that David Bell is going to be the wide receiver one. Uh, obviously, Jameson Williams is out there, and then Traylon Burke. So it's just it's just it it's pretty messy, but it makes it really exciting. And last season, we talked about how this class was going to be very unique because this is one of the classes that was extremely impacted by by COVID. Obviously, the twenty twenty season being cut short, but then twenty twenty one that's when they kind of have to rev things up again, and then everybody's getting used to the new normal. So I think there's going to be a lot of hidden players with some lower stats, um, or they're pushed down depth charts, or for whatever reason, they might have gone back to school, but then they they sat behind a younger player because they, the team wanted to see. So th- there's so many variables. So I think we're going to see, we always see a few players hit from the late second and then mid third. Uh, I think this season we might see the, the highest volume of those types of players. So I'm currently trying to get my hands on just a couple of more seconds and a couple more thirds. Cause I think if you just hammer these wide receivers and running backs, it, at least a couple of them, even in the early third, they're probably going to be a foundational piece to right? um, a couple of these NFL teams that are kind of starting from scratch, but um, we've got a few things we want to touch on. But I think when uh, we saw Christian Kirk getting that deal, A lot of people knew he was going to get a new contract. They didn't know it was going to be a mega contract. But something that everybody was saying is he he quietly had a 1,000-yard season, which it wasn't completely true. He actually had 982 yards. But we'll we'll round it up to a 1,000. So one thing I wanted to look at is what does a 1,000-yard season really mean? So last season in 2021, we saw 23 receivers. We'll say 24 if we round up. Christian Kirk's 982 yards. So last season 2021 we saw 24 different wide receivers have over a thousand yards. And then we saw an additional 14 wide receivers with 800 plus yards. So we're talking about almost 40 wide receivers that you could say are somewhat fantasy relevant. So Tom, do do any of those numbers surprise you as far as how many had over a thousand or how many are actually pretty fantasy relevant? Uh, with it being a a pass happy league these days, it, I guess it's, it's fair to assume that there would be at least one thousand yard receiver on each team, and then of course the the teams like the Chiefs um, and uh, the uh, and, and the Chargers that are explosive teams, you'd expect there to be uh, multiple wide receivers with with close to a thousand yards. So I, th- I think forty sounds about right. Yeah, and that's I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's really a passing. Uh, league now, which isn't, that's not a surprise for anybody to hear, but that's also part of the reason where um, why in a lot of these leagues, if you're pushing for that championship, I'm okay with you um, pushing your chips in a little bit and making those trades where some some of your teammates might kind of look at you cross-eyed and say, what, what are you doing? Um, for example, trading away like AJ Brown for Mike Evans or something like that if AJ Brown is hurt. But we see so much variance from season to season with where these wide receivers end. But some of it can be a little bit predictable based on how many 800-yard seasons that they've had um, years before. So I, I didn't really want to spend too much time on the players that have hit over 1,000 yards. But um, the list that really in, in, um, I was really interested in was that list of the 800-plus wide receivers. So like I said, there's four, 14 of them. Um, so they fell somewhere between like 800 and 950 9, yards. Um, and from that list of those 800 yard uh, receivers, there's only three that did that with less than 90 targets. so those three, we have Brandon Iyuk, uh, Van Jefferson and Kendrick Bourne. Uh, so between these three, we've got Iyuk who's 24, Van Jefferson who's 25 and Kendrick Bourne who's 26. Um, I I did a really deep dive on these targets that they're getting since they they all achieved 800 yards with less than uh, 90 targets and uh, Iuke is the only one that really saw a substantial increase uh, the second half of the season so the first half of the season weeks one through nine um, he was averaging about five fantasy points then Uh, he only had 31 targets but then the second half of the season Uh, he almost doubled. He went up to 53 targets um, and was averaging over 10 fantasy points. And then Van Jefferson, he pretty much stayed exactly the same. He had 46 the first half and 43 the second half. And then Kendrick Bourne went from 39 targets down to 31 targets. So obviously seeing um, his workload go down a little bit as they're introducing some of the younger running backs into that scheme. And then Hunter Henry was starting to Catch on a little bit. Uh, so, does does anything jump out about those numbers to you, Tom? Uh, well, looking at this list of the the, the players that uh, that you had mentioned previously that uh, had over eight hundred plus yards, um, I see Jacoby Myers and uh, Kendrick Bourne on there. I think it's it's worth noting right now that there's a lot of talk of of Mac Jones not being a a, a sustainable uh, quarter, or a high end quarterback prospect for for dynasty right now and, and and some people are are selling short but i think with with uh Mac Jones kind of getting thrust into that that week one start when cam got released during uh preseason or, or just after preseason whenever that was seeing him come in as a rookie and support two wide receivers with over 800 yards is uh pr- pretty impressive especially with them being that that run first offense So i think it just goes to to show the um uh, that Mac Jones has, has the upside to, to be a top 12 quarterback in, in Dynasty, even though he'll never have that rushing upside. Yeah, that's a good point, because also in this list, we see Tyler Boyd with 828 yards, and then uh, obviously T. Higgins and Chase both ended with over 1,000. So you talk about sustainable uh, high-end QB production. I, I think this, this uh, list kind of just cements Joe Burrow as one of those elite quarterbacks. The fact that he can almost have three uh, wide receivers with over a thousand yards. I'm not sure how often that's happened, but uh, that's, that's a pretty cool note. Um, so I think from this list is not too much of a surprise. Iuk uh, between those three players. So Ayuk Van Jefferson and Kendrick Bourne. He's the youngest. He saw more targets, um, the second half of the season and was more productive with those targets. And we're seeing a little bit of the drama with Debo Samuel. He, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, coaching staff, they're pretty comfortable with letting players walk and, and not paying a lot of their superstars besides like the quarterbacks, tight ends, and those types of skill positions. But as far as, far as the wide receivers and the, the running backs, I, I can't think of anybody recently that's gotten paid out there. So I, I don't think it's too bold to say you carries the most upside from these players, but I think he might even carry even more upside uh, than than what we're valuing, valuing him at right now. Uh, so, just kind of some thoughts on some wide receivers that aren't getting too much attention right now. Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with you about Ayuk's uh, value only going up. But I believe in the in the preseason, Ayuk was uh, Trey Lance's go-to target. And uh, it, with 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 them making the change from Grapelo to, to Trey Lance, uh, we all know that it's going to be more of a, a run-heavy offense now that they they have the the quarterback with the, the rushing ability. But I think Ayuk could could go back to um, the be, being the, the wide receiver one in that offense um I, I i think you and i can admit that we were both wrong about about selling Debo for for a second in uh in leagues in, in the past but um I, I i think with with the injuries and and with the age and like you said with the holdout right now um i think 2021 was devo's best season where i don't think we're going to see him have a, have a top 10 wide receiver season again, even though he's being used in the, in the rush game. So um, I, I, that's, that's a player that I assume that you would be trying to move for, for a younger receiver at this point. Yeah. And and I I love seeing Debo's success because he was one of those players. I drafted almost everywhere in that rookie draft at the end of the first, but then going into his first season and his second season, I was trading him away because we were seeing him get hurt just like what he was, did in college. He just plays so big. So this was his first healthy season. But even in that playoff game against the Cowboys, you saw him limping off the field. So it, you don't want to say a player is injury prone, but I think we've got about four or five years of, of Debo getting hurt. It's because of the way that he plays. So I I, I couldn't completely answer that question, Tom, because I don't have Debo anywhere anymore. Uh, I definitely sold him short uh, by trading him away for a second. Uh, or packaging him in deals to get IUK actually. Um, but, yeah, I think if, if you've got Debo now, he's you, we're going to get into the next segment here in a little bit, and I think he's probably going to be, um, be very appropriate for this next set, segment. Well, Debo Samuel is currently valued as the wide receiver seven in Dynasty, so let's just do a, a little quick exercise. Would you rather have Samuel or Devontae Adams? I uh, would we'll take Adams. Uh, Debo or Diggs? I would take Diggs. Debo or Tyreek Hill? I would take Hill. Debo or, or Metcalf? Um, I would take Metcalf. Debo or Waddle? Waddle. Higgins? Higgins. Deontay Johnson? Yeah, I was looking at Deontay the other day. I, I missed out on him. I, 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 yeah, I would take Deontay for sure. Uh, and uh, DJ Moore, the wide receiver, fourteen. Yeah, give me the risk of them getting a good quarterback. Chris Godwin. Um, yeah, I would take Godwin. He's he's uh, been fine with multiple quarterbacks. McLaurin? Yeah, I'd, McLaurin is this year's digs. Two, two years ago is digs. Last year's cup. Give me McLaurin. And, and I, I know you're a big Elijah Moore fan. He's currently valued as the wide receiver 17. Oh, you take? I, I can't take Debo over Elijah Moore. All right. Th- I think this is where I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get you. Devontae Smith. Ah, uh, yeah, that's pretty close to me. But as I was telling you earlier, because uh, nobody wants to trade for Brandon Cooks, my, myself included. But if you could go back in time and get Cooks, in the fifth, sixth, seventh round of a startup um, and then just sit on that production for half a decade. I, I think a lot of us would do that. And I think Devante Smith might be the next cooks. So, so give me Smith over Debo. <laughs> All right. We got Mike Evans at wide receiver 19. Um, I'll, I would go Debo there. Okay. All right. Well, so j- just uh, going, going through this exercise of if you have the same uh, thoughts on Debo as, as Sam and myself, you could trade the wide receiver seven, Debo, and go all the way down to wide receiver eighteen or nineteen. So you can try to try to sell high and get something added to uh, to, to a different wide receiver one and uh, and tra- trade Debo away. But I think most people that have Debo on their team right now, they uh, they don't want to miss out on, on possibly having that that high of a ceiling again next season. But um, if you if you like gambling and taking chances on players like the two of us do. go go out and trade Debo away. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's um, a good, I guess, segue into this, this next uh, thing that I wanted to talk about. So this segment, we're going to call it the permission to die segment. And the thought behind it is just, there's a lot of players that they're going to give you a lot of production for at least the next two, three, four seasons, but you know, you're not going to get that that value um, trading them away. So these are players that you should probably just just give them permission to die in your roster, because you know people are going to lowball you um, for them, but they've proven it in the past. And I think he, I, I I know people have Debo as wide receiver seven or in their top ten, but I don't think people are valuing him like that. But clearly, if he stays healthy, if he stays in that offensive system. He's, he's shown he can do it, so I understand. But if I did have Debo, I'd probably give him permission to don my roster. Uh, just knowing that you're not going to get one of those high end guys. I don't think anybody's going to give Devontae Adams or uh, T. Higgins for Debo. He, may, maybe it's happening out there, but I haven't seen that. Uh, but the players I wanted to highlight that I'm going to allow to don my roster. So, first, we've got Mike Williams with the Chargers. So, he just got that three year extension with uh with with the chargers and so he's going to be one of the main focal points of that offense uh, for for the foreseeable future and he's had a lot of success with justin herbert already so what i really liked about his production this last season is he was basically at 1150 yards and he had nine touchdowns which nine wasn't even his career highs he had that 10 touchdown season back in 2018 uh but he only had three games with less than five points and half point scoring. So that's the same as Terry McLaurin and Tyler Lockett. And then of course we're not putting Mike Williams in the same class as T Higgins or Jamar chase, but they also each had two games where they had less than five points. So Mike Williams actually finished um, with, with a a comparable uh, floor, if you want to call it that. So Tom, I've got Mike Williams, in a couple of leagues and I was trying to use him as a piece to move up at uh last off season. I think I was trying to package him with like I don't know the two oh five to get into the first round the, the 112 or the one eleven and nobody was having it so nobody wanted this guy and I, I think I'd get probably similar responses this season. What what are your thoughts on Mike Williams? Yeah, Mike Williams, he's he's just that uh, that solid wide receiver too, for for your 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 team in Dynasty. If if he was your wide receiver one, I think you'd be a little bit nervous, but um, he, he does have that that big playability and, and like you said, um, ten touchdowns in, in twenty eighteen, he was dealing with the injuries his rookie year in twenty seventeen. So the ten touchdowns was great and then the following season he only had two touchdowns in 2019 but that was his first 1000-yard season. Um, he regressed a little bit in 2020 and then last year we saw him put it all all together where he had over 1100 yards and uh nine touchdowns. So after getting the that big contract and being attached to to Justin Herbert, he, he like you said, he, he you're, you're you're better off just holding on to him because he finished the season as the Wide receiver, twelve in PPR, but uh, no, nobody's going to be paying like a top three or top six pick in dynasty for him. Um, do, do you actually remember the trade that you and I did involving Mike Williams?
1: Three, yeah, I, two years um,
0: ago. I do. It was um, Paris Campbell, right? Yep. You you uh, traded me Paris Campbell in a fourth round for Mike Williams. So, and and I I, 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 I did I definitely went I did that very hesitantly. <laughs> yeah, I have to add that in there. So yeah, every, every now and then you get lucky. You got to call your shots with those players, but yeah, I, I even had um, a, so this last season I was defending the championship in a league and I had digs and cup and then uh, I had to play a third wide receiver. I think I was going between Van Jefferson and somebody else that had really limited upside and I had somebody offer me Mike Williams for my first and I was going into the playoffs. So it was going to be a late first and even that I rejected it. And so I, I, I know myself, I'm, I'm not given a a mid to late first for Mike Williams. So uh, it, that's, it was a totally fair offer, but it's just something I wasn't interested in. So I think if, if you fell into Mike Williams by trading away Paris Campbell, like I did, then just let, let him die on your roster and enjoy that production. So the next player, we don't have to spend too much time on. Uh, Obviously, I'm going to leave Tyler Lockett out of this one because he's going to have permission to die on every single one of my rosters. Uh, But Kareem Hunt, also you and I have talked about him a lot. But I just wanted to put into perspective how good he's actually been just when he's been on the field. So Kareem Hunt, the last two seasons, so the last 20 games when he's played at least 40% of the snaps. So not, not even asking for... Uh, too much time on the field because he, he does split the backfield with Chubb. He, those last 20 games, he's scored 17, 27, 16, 25, 11, 5, 14, 28, 9, 6, 9, 16, 9, 19, 8, 18, 19, 14, 24, and 11 points. Uh, that comes to an average of over 11, 15 points per game. That would have been better than Zeke, uh, who was RB6 this last season. At just under 15 points per game, and then that's better than Kamara, uh, who's number eight on the season. So even if you want to say I just par- I just uh, cherry pick those stats, uh, even in 2021 when Hill only played eight games uh, th- and three of them he played less than 40 percent, he still averaged 12 and a half points per game, which is the same as David Montgomery's. Uh, Points per game this last season, and Elijah Moore or Elijah Mitchell. I think you have that that laid out pretty nicely. Kareem Hunt said, a, uh RB two with with RB one weekly, um, RB one upside." That I, I think I think the the owners of Kareem Hunt know what they have, and uh, I, I know in, in the leagues that I own Kareem Hunt, there's always uh, people kind of sniffing around, willing to offer like a second and a wide receiver two to try to uh, peel him off off my roster. But but he he's a guy that even though he's never going to get 90% of the carries with with a healthy Nick Chubb there. He's, 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 he's somebody I'm very comfortable uh, putting in my lineup. And I know you and I don't want to spend these, these shows um, spending the whole time talking about exactly what we think this player is worth, but uh, with with all the, the the rookie hype that's starting to happen after everyone was saying, this is a weak class. uh, What pick do you think it would take to get Kareem Hunt from somebody Um, it's definitely going to be more than a second round, but I don't think you have to give up a top three pick. No, so last season, actually, like, you know, I was super high in uh, Jalen Waddle, so I was sitting at the 109, and I could have taken Waddle there, but I was feeling pretty good about my wide receiver core, but I had absolutely no running back to speak of. So, last year, during the rookie draft, I actually traded away the 109 for Kareem Hunt, and I, I think that that would be a fair offer, but you're right. I think uh, you probably couldn't even get a top twelve rookie pick for Kareem hunt, especially with um, his injury this last season. but if if uh, I don't know if you're trying to trade for hunt, I think you could do an early second and maybe a future second, something something like that. Um, but yeah, that's again, that's that's why he has permission to die on the rosters that I have him because I'm not trading him for anything less than a first and I don't think anybody's given up a first for him. Yeah. And when you look at his rushing attempts over the past three seasons, um, obviously he was coming back from that suspension in 2019. So he only had 43 carries in 2020. He had 198 and last season he only had 78 um, attempts and in only eight games. But, um, a lot of times we, we we held on onto these players like Lashawn McCoy throughout their their whole season where they're productive into their um, in, into their late twenties and Kareem Hunt being twenty six I think you still still have another solid three maybe even four years of of that high end RB two upside so it, Hunt is definitely somebody that um, I think most people in the dynasty community would 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 agree with you very comfortable with letting them die in your roster. Yeah, and he's probably not going to be a high in RB2 for that long, but what he what he then turns into is a really nice bye week play or a really nice flex play and then if he if he ends up uh, finishing out his contract with the the Browns and then if he gets signed for a different team um as as the RB2, then he has that league winning upside when he gets thrust in as the starter just like he does with the Browns. So, he's he's going to offer Just a a really nice, I I guess, upside for as as long as he's playing the next few years. But the the last player I want to talk about on this list is Jameis Winston. So, again, the leagues that I have him in, I'm going to allow him to die on my roster. And I I tried to keep this one as simple as possible because we all know that the highs uh, that are very high and the lows that are low for him. But this last season, uh, everyone was a little disappointed because he was kind of reeled in a little bit by Sean Payton. But including that game where he got injured last season, he averaged 17.2 points per game. That was the same as Russell Wilson. And I know Russ had a game or two where he was dealing with the injury and stuff. Uh, but then his average was also higher than both Tannehill and Carr and Tannehill and Carr are both kind of valued as those low end QB ones uh, that can obviously have those games where they throw three or four touchdowns. So I was, I was surprised to see he actually outpaced those guys when when you consider uh, that Jameis wasn't getting to uh, th- huck it down the field every other play. So you, do you have Jameis anywhere Tom? Um I don't. and I think that's probably because most leagues that I'm in with you, he, he's he's on uh, in your lineup. Yeah, and I think he's he's a comfortable uh, backup quarterback. I have him as a QB3 in a lot of leagues, and I'm fine just holding on to him because those, those bye weeks or those injuries when you get to plug him in, it's great. Uh, probably... If, I mean, if we're talking super flex, he probably carries about the same value as Kareem Hunt. And again, that's not, that's somebody that someone wants to give a first four, but he's, he carries that same upside where even three, four years down the road, if he's just strictly a backup, uh, but then that starting quarterback gets hurt then it's like, okay, cool. It's it, you get the James Winston um, kind of Ryan Fitzpatrick type upside for a couple of weeks. So it might be exciting. So. Uh, those are the guys I had on the list, um, and then uh, just just one side note that I wanted to make sure to put in the show before uh, we jump into the next segment. But when everybody's getting ready for these rookie picks, just remember to have fun and, and trust yourself on these picks. So a lot of people they get all tied up in the value of players, and if if you're going to trade away someone you took at the 106 last season, so you you absolutely have to get a A first rounder in return. If you're getting a couple of early seconds and a player you like or something like that, just, just trust yourself that you're going to be able to hit on those picks. I know you and I are both fans of having those early second round picks, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's nice to take home some money from these leagues, but it's also to have that experience of that fun of, and the fun of uh, drafting those players. And I, I know we've both had some success in the second rounds. Of the of rookie drafts this year, so just just trust yourself on making those picks. Yeah, and just just to add on on to uh, talking about picks right now, a month before the NFL draft, this has got to be the worst time to try to trade four picks or try to trade up at all. Um, just just go in any of your leagues if you have a top five pick, and and you want to try to move up to the one hundred three, or you have the one hundred three and you you want to move up to the one hundred one. Most people are not willing to. Uh, move without a significant overpay right now so um, unless if you have a ton of depth on your team and you're willing to overpay uh, to, to make that move up right now is, is not a good time so uh, I'm talking about a player like James Winston where um, you, you you won't be able to get a first for him in, in most leagues but like you were saying as the season progresses and there's the bye weeks and there's the injuries every single season to these uh, star quarterbacks, that's the time to try try to sell those veterans in season. So, um, unless you feel like pounding your head against a wall, do not go out and try to trade up in the draft right now. Yeah, trading up is very expensive. I actually I did successfully trade up in one of our flex pros leagues. So these are the fourteen man super flex. So I I was sitting at the one eleven, and. I wanted to move up and uh one one of our supporters of the show at nine in the nub said he was looking for trades. He was holding on to that 107. So to move up four spots, I had to give up Marcus Mariota, who's who's got that starting upside right now. As of now, he's the starter for the Falcons. And then a uh precious 2023 second. And then I got a 2021 or sorry, 2022 uh third in return. So basically a second and a, upside quarterback to move up four spots. That's what you're looking at. And that's from, to uh, going from the late first to mid first. I can't imagine now going from the seven to the five or the four or, or uh, one of those precious top three picks. So I think I'm going to sit pat at the one Oh seven, uh, knowing that the, everyone that's got those top three picks, they've been staring at the, uh, the draft calculator, the, the draft simulator and sleeper wondering which one of those players is going to be there for them. So, Oh yeah. yeah. And that, that that's I, a good I'll, point. I'll even include myself in that. I, I only have the one oh one in uh, in two leagues right now. And and anybody who's uh, coming to me and, and uh wondering if I'm gonna add the one oh one as as a throw in. Uh, I I'm basically just telling them to, to get lost after after staring at that pick on my team for, for so long. I'll be I'll be taking Brees Hall no matter what. <laughs> Have, have you almost accidentally hit the draft button on Breesall already? Because in the sleeper app, I think it allows you to do that if you've got the 101. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's pretty pretty tempting. <laughs> well, I know we didn't want to keep the show too long, so we'll try to jump into our or one of our last segments here pretty soon. But I saw you had some really nice notes on Taysom Hill, and I, I love these stats and your thoughts behind it. Do you, do you want to give us your, your take on Taysom Hill going into 2022? Yeah, so, so right now, Taysom Hill, um, if you go on Fantasy Pros, he's currently ranked the uh, quarterback 37, and he is not ranked at all as a tight end. So Taysom Hill is being dropped in in Dynasty Leagues right now, um, and I, I've seen him get traded as as just kind of a throw-in. The, uh, the news that came out a couple weeks ago that they were signing um, Andy Dalton, that the Saints were signing Andy Dalton, and that Taysom Hill is going to be going back to focusing on on playing tight end. I think that's very telling that uh, Taysom Hill will not be a starting quarterback for for next season. Which I think I think most of us uh, already knew that that wasn't going to happen. They they did the Taysom starting quarterback um, after James got hurt last year, and we saw how much of a di- disaster it was for the Saints. It was, it was great for fantasy, uh, but he definitely didn't look like a franchise guy that that you could build around. Currently, the uh, tight end one for the Saints is uh, Adam Troutman, who I, I believe that's a tight end that, uh, uh, to say nicely, you're, you're not the highest on. Uh, well, I, I'll say Troutman is going to – Trey McBride is going to be the next Troutman. Uh, if you go back two years ago, uh, you can listen to my Troutman takes from there. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, I, I wish them all the best. I think a lot of their production – Comes from that that small school where they're the biggest guy and the most athletic, um, and the star on the field. But uh, yeah, I am not the biggest Troutman fan, and that I I uh, didn't think about any any uh, possibilities of Taysomville going back to tight end. But I, I love this call. Yeah. So back 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 to Troutman with him being tight end twenty four going into his year three. That's usually when we see see the jump. For, for tight ends where where they have their breakout season, right? Uh, Three point two, yep, yep. Do, do, do you see any any scenario that the Troutman finishes next season as a top fifteen tight end? I I don't. And and last season when all their wide receivers were injured, that would have been the opportunity for Troutman to uh, at least be game scripted as the guy that they want to get open. And the, I mean, Sean Payton's one of the most creative offensive minds. Where that could have happened. And the fact that um, they they were trying to get Harris the ball and all these other playmakers and Troutman was never looked at as a playmaker. I, I don't, I don't see a different coach coming in and, and not squeezing out the most juice out of him as, as they could. Yeah. So I, I guess uh, needless to say, you and I are both uh, completely out, out on Troutman. I think even if Taysom Hill splits the 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 snaps at tight end and maybe they, they uh run a couple of um two tight end sets out there um i, I think Taysom hill goes back to being that gadget player which um if, if you if you don't have a, a top tight end in, in dynasty you're kind of throwing um darts each week with with uh with tight end so so why not pick up Taysom hill start him in, in your tight end position um in 2020 from weeks eight to week 17 when he was not the starting quarterback. So when he was still kind of that hybrid wide receiver, tight end, running back um, position, he had five plus carries in seven out of those eight weeks. Um, so I think in 2022, even though he's going to be listed at tight end, we'll still see him get four to five carries out of the backfield. Uh, y- you know, they're going to have those goal line packages where he, he might have one to two pass attempts. Um, so I, I think he, he could be this year's Cordell Patterson where he uh, we've seen it in the past. Where he has been successful as a uh, as a fantasy player, um, he he's I I think if if you ask him he'll get he'll get the same answer when when reporters were asking Cordell Patterson about is he a wide receiver or, or a running back and, um, simply put he just said I, I'm a football player so I think I think Taysom Hill's the, the same way you look at the the receivers in uh, New Orleans behind Michael Thomas and it's it's pretty weak so um, I, I expect Taysom Hill to uh, finish the season as as a top twelve tight end again. Yeah. Well, and one other thought um as as you're going through the Taysom Hill upside, I, I don't think the Saints are gonna have the luxury of taking a running back in the draft, whether or not uh Kamara faces any suspension. But let's say Kamara misses three weeks or six weeks. What are the chances that they just say, hey, the these three weeks, these six weeks, we're gonna have Taysom uh being that that uh, change of pace running back, so he might not be the starter. But if they have that Latavius Murray type running back, uh, get in the first and second down carries, and then yeah, either either put Hill in at quarterback or put him in at running back too. So yeah, I I, I love the opportunity that he's got. So yeah, yeah good, I, mean, good I call. mean, why not? Sometimes fantasy football doesn't have to be hard. We saw this two years ago when uh, people were, were playing Taysom Hill in their tight end position and ESPN and. Everybody was getting upset because in in one quarterback leagues, people were playing two quarterbacks, or in, in super flex, they were basically starting three quarterbacks, which is, it's almost impossible um, to stop. But I think I think Taysom Hill, his position in fantasy football, is going to switch officially from quarterback to tight end by the time week one rolls around, and then you've got that uh, that high upside tight end who could easily score you over twenty points if he if he gets the the ball twice. Um, inside the ten yard line and either throws or, or rushes for a touchdown. Yeah, no, that that's exciting. Well, uh, the one of the last segments I wanted to do with you here. We did this, I don't know, over two years ago on one of our first shows. But uh, if anybody grew up uh, in the the early two thousands or I guess late nineties when when Tom Green was popular, uh, he had a movie come out, and in that that movie. Uh, the the character is pretty goofy and he's he's looking for treasure in the bathroom and he finds uh, he claims that he found treasure in the shower, but it was actually just soap on a rope. So this segment we're gonna do uh, are these players are that, are these players actually treasure or are they soap on a rope? So uh, you, we can make these kind of um, some quick hitters Tom, but number one, Brian Robinson, is is this guy soap on a rope or is he gonna be treasure? Well, I'm currently pulling up the uh, the draft room for um, the, these upcoming drafts. And currently, uh, Brian Robinson is valued at the 3.2. So I'm going to say that, that, he, that he's treasure. I think he's this year's Trey Sermon, and I actually mean that in a good way, where uh, when Ohio State was was struggling, when Justin Fields was, uh, was hurt towards the, the end of his, his final season at Ohio State, they had leaned on Trey Sermon. Um, and he was able to, uh, t- to get it done, even when the defense knew that uh, the team was going to be running the ball. So um, he-, he might have had less than 100 carries in each of his first four seasons at Alabama. Uh, but I-, I was actually really impressed with, with Brian Robinson. In-, in 14 games in, uh, in-, in his final season at-, at Alabama, he had 1,639 yards from scrimmage and 16 touchdowns. So I think a, a-, a running back that you can get in-, in the third round, sign me up. That's treasure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you and I were going to agree on all these, but yeah, I, I feel the same way. I might actually be taking Robinson uh, mid to late second, especially in, in leagues where I need that help at running back, which I think everybody needs help at running back. So we're probably going to see Brian Robinson go more like 206, maybe even 204 if if somebody's just reaching because he's got RB in front of his name. Um, so next one, soap on a rope or treasure, Christian Watson. Christian Watson is currently going at the two Oh two. I, he was not on my radar at all when I I was working on our rankings. Um, And then, then I heard the hype before the the combine and then I saw what he did at the combine. Very impressive. Um, I think, I think he's going to be soap on a rope for, for this season. I, I think if, if he was, a, uh, a true sleeper, as, as many of the dynasty community were calling for before the combine, and this was a guy you could get in the third or fourth round, absolutely treasure, but if you're spending an early second and taking him over guys like Pickens, uh, Dotson, uh, Trey McBride, I, I know you and I see differently on McBride, but even David Bell or, or Sky Moore. I, I, I like Sky Moore more, uh, more than, uh, than Christian Watson, so I would I'm I'm gonna say soap on a rope. All right, it, we're we're two for two then. So, uh, Christian Watson, he's yeah he, again small school, which I, I don't hate small school players, but what I see him doing, uh, he's just bullying them kind of like what Nick, Nikhil Harry was doing um, in Arizona back in school, um, and he, I I didn't think that that was super impressive for separation, and then um, those. Does go up and get a balls. It it reminds me of Jalen Rager, <laughs> and I, I took Rager over Jefferson in a league or two. So I, I'm scarred. So I'm with you there, Christian Watson's soap on a rope, um, especially with him getting pumped up to the late first, early second. That that's just yeah. too much. Um, but, but like we said at at the beginning of the show, the, so much is going to have to do with with draft capital. So if we if we see him go to a team like the Chiefs, who are clearly looking at drafting a, a receiver. Then, then I might, I might be changing my tune a little bit, but, but as of tonight, definitely soap on a rope. Well, and since you mentioned the uh, the Chiefs, um, I did want to make one point. Um, I had it here in my notes. That there, wasn't too much behind it, um, but I think I just wanted to make the the point that um, at wide receiver, I know a lot of people were excited about MVS because they thought he was going to get some of those Tyreek Hill targets, which I think he'll get a couple. Uh, but don't forget that they lost both DeMarcus Robinson and um Byron Pringle so i think MVS you can plug him in for those games and that's going to be i don't know 3 to 5 fantasy games this season uh, where you're going to wish that you had played him and you're not you're not going to play him on the right uh week so that that's just a, a little side note about MVS if if you're trying for MVS we we can put him in the uh, soap on a rope Category as well. <laughs> uh, but number three, uh, John Mechie. Oh, definitely treasure. This yeah. this is a guy who's gonna be uh, working as the as most teams wide receiver three or or out of the slot. Um I, I think he's just gonna be a super dependable um, player for 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 a team. And I think I think he's gonna have a similar career as Christian Kirk, where we're gonna be waiting for that breakout season. And he's probably not going to give us that, that wide receiver one season, but um, that, that's still in his, his range of outcomes. But I, I think he could be um, a, a solid wide receiver, too, for, for your dynasty um, team for, for years to come. Yeah. All right. Well, we're three for three. I think this this fourth one, we've got five total, but the fourth one, th- this is the big one, Tom. Alec Pierce, is he soap on a rope or treasure? I think he's going maybe late second, otherwise early third. Oh yeah. So uh, going back to uh Mechie, he, he was actually going right behind Brent Robinson at, at the at the three oh three. So I think that's an absolute steal for uh for, for Mechie. Um, but Pierce uh, is, is just two below that. So at the three oh five, um, I'm gonna say that that uh that Alec Pierce is soap on a rope. He averaged over 17 yards per reception, which is uh pretty incredible the, the last three seasons at Cincinnati. But when when I watched his routes and I and seeing the uh, the contested catches that he won on those 50-50 balls, um, his his player comparison for me is uh, Zach Pascal, who uh, or Pascal, sorry uh, Zach for butchering your last name there. Uh, I I see him more as like a second or third receiving option, um, kind of also like an uh, Allen Lazard, um, for for the the Packers where I just I think if you play him, you're hoping that he has that that uh, that long touchdown but I don't, I don't see him translating into a guy who's going to be getting seven or eight targets per game. Yeah. Well, we, we couldn't go for, for four. So I'm going to definitely disagree with you on that. I think in the third round, you, you can make the argument that any rookies you get in the third are going to be treasured. Uh, but he, he reminds me kind of a more, I'd, I'd say, higher upside than that. Like KJ Osborne for the Vikings. Yeah. I think, if, if a team gives him a chance and if he gets those opportunities, which that, that's saying a lot right there, he's getting on the field. Um, but he's, he's got, I don't know, he's got a little bit of wiggle in his game to, to get open. A lot of these rookie wide receivers, if they get slot time immediately, that's where we're going to see that production. Uh, but this, this last season, uh, week 17, not week 16, but week 17 of the NFL uh, or the, the fantasy championship, That was a special week for me because when I first started playing Dynasty, a couple of players I took, uh, probably a little too early, I took Rashad Penny, but uh, I got to see him, what, four years later, have a big game. But the other player that I was really happy to see have production was Braxton Berrios. Uh, It only took him four years to pop, and of course by then I dropped him in every league. Uh, But Alec Pierce really reminds me of Braxton Berrios, and I think we're seeing a lot of teams – Value those those uh those those wide receivers that uh can come in and just kind of give quarterbacks easy layups. So I think Alec Pierce, one place that I would love to see him go, uh, would be the Bengals, and then have him just sit there for a year or two behind Tyler Boyd, and then uh, I mean we're we're talking um, taxi squad type player here, but if he goes to a system like that, I think he would just totally crush in the slot um but but give him a year or two and and just wait for everybody to drop him and then you can go pick him up yeah i i like that as a as a taxi squad i i definitely can't argue against that i i know that the early nfl mock drafts i was seeing him, uh penciled in at the the end of the first round to the packers um and then after we've seen guys like uh christian watson and uh jahan dotson uh have have a good uh good combine um, we've kind of seen him, uh, get pushed down the boards a little bit more, but I mean, this, this could be the, the next, I'm on Ross St. Brown. If he, if he ends up getting drafted in the, the third or fourth round of the that NFL draft, uh, um, he, he could actually be a legit sleeper. All right. Well, the, the last guy, I don't know anything about this guy. So I'm assuming you put him on here because he's not soap on a rope. Um, so just tell us why Hassan Haskins is treasure. So, Hassan Haskins is going to be the running back that I take in the fourth round of every Dynasty rookie draft. He uh, had a great final season for, for Michigan this past year where he broke out for 1,458 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns. Um, Haskins was dealing with a, a lower body injury when he went to the the, uh, the the combine this year, so he did not compete in, in the 40 time. Um, I feel like if there is a... Rookie from this class that is uh, the, the spirit animal of the super duper flex bros, it'd be Hassan Haskins because he went there, he didn't do anything lower body, but he said, screw it, put me on the bench. He <laughs> took his he took his pre-workout and he, he repped out the most reps of, of 27 reps. Um so he's coming into the league at 6'1, 20. Um, there's no official uh uh speed for uh any any of his uh his runs because he didn't do any, but um, in, in one of his biggest games this past season against Ohio state, he racked up 28 carries for 169 yards and five touchdowns. Um, 16 of those rushing attempts turned into first downs or touchdowns. Um, I'm, I'm calling for Haskins to be the, this year's reminder is Stevenson uh, the Ohio state is known for, for having a good defense, um, especially against Michigan where they knew that the run was coming and they just could not stop him. So um, Haskins did not do anything, like I said, at the, at the Combine to warrant a uh, day one or probably even a day two, two pick in the NFL. But I expect him to get taken in the fifth or sixth round. And if we could see him go to a team like the Chargers that's looking for somebody's uh, thunder to pair up with, uh, with, with some lightning, um, I, I love Haskins to, to be a, a breakout running back and make it in, into like the top 35 of, uh, of dynasty running backs by the end of next season. I'm uh I'm looking on sleeper right now just for context so we can see where he's at. Not necessarily in uh it, as far as like draft if he's like fortieth or fiftieth, because you get to the point where you hit the middle of the third round and then everyone's just hammering running back because they don't know anything about these wide receivers or tight ends. So it looks like he's kind of like RB twenty ish when it comes to the the rookies. So yeah, I think you're right. I think he'll be there in the fourth. Um, but it I have one important follow-up question. So you said he was taking the pre workout. Uh I guess it's a two part one. Do you know what pre workout he was taking? And two, did he take two scoops or just one? Uh it was it was definitely a a, a two scoop day. So uh I, I couldn't tell from the from the footage exactly what it was, but he he was definitely maxing out. So it was it was two scoops. Yeah. Well I I appreciate that. We gotta send him a SDFB hoodie or something. Well. I'm, I'm glad we didn't see eye to eye on, on all these uh, Soap on the Rope first treasure picks, uh, but I will say uh, you've sold me on Haskins. So I, I think next time when we when we do this Soap on the Rope, we have to exclude all third and fourth rounders because I think at that point uh, you're not risking too much. So next time we do this segment, we'll just keep it at the the first and second round because you can pretty much sell sell me on any third round pick and I'll, I'll throw that third round dart. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to, to go over before we get out of here? Uh, the the last thing I, I wanted to mention, well, actually I get I guess two things. But um, our uh, Super Duper Flex Pros guillotine leagues are starting up. We are currently um, accepting teams into our 16 man Justin Jefferson Jersey League. Um, there's two out of the 16 spots still remaining. So by the time this airs, there might actually not be any any spots available. Um, It's $20 to play. The winner gets a Justin Jefferson Jersey signed and a custom championship uh, SDFB guillotine ring, uh, courtesy of Trophy Smack. Um, and then next month we'll be doing a um, Jonathan Taylor signed helmet league. Um, that will also be $20. So um, we're, we're raising money for Muscular Dystrophy Association again um, for for these first two guillotine drafts, um, it depending on on how much interest we get, we'll uh, we'll continue to release these these guillotine drafts before the uh, the NFL starts. If you're interested, reach out to Sam and myself, and we'll get you in one of these guillotine leagues. Otherwise, uh, be on the lookout for for more leagues in the future. Until then, keep it flexy.